In today's show, we're updating you on injuries around the NBA. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it, indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast, brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms, so make sure you are following us. Now today... We are looking at injured players, and I'm going to be joined by Ryan Knaus of NBC Sports Edge to go through the injury status of players and what we would do with those guys in drafts and how it impacts our uh, our thinking on those guys when we're looking at uh, acquiring those uh, those fantasy players. So, without further ado, let's bring uh, let's bring Ryan in right now and let's start talking injured players. All right, let's bring him in right now. First time on the show, I believe, from memory, Ryan Knaus from uh, NBC Sports Edge. Ryan, welcome. Thanks for having me, Josh. We're talking some injuries today, right? We are. We are talking injuries slash unavailableness, unavailability. I think that's inavailability. I don't know the word. I don't speak English. So let's let's get on and talk about this, Ryan, because there's a few things we need to talk about. And mainly we're not we're talking about not just highlighting the players that are injured, but what we're doing with these guys in drafts and how much we're discounting them. Are we avoiding them altogether? what we're doing with these players. So let's get in and talk about that now. And we will start with COVID vaccinations because, of course, news today has come down, Ryan, that Andrew Wiggins has received his COVID vaccination. Now, he was set to miss 41 Warriors home games. That is no longer the case. He was on this list to be a guy that was unvaccinated. So now we just go back to drafting Wiggins where we were where we were before, where we would have, you know, previously. Points leagues higher, category leagues a little bit lower, but still a draftable guy. Now, Kyrie Irving's the big one. Yeah. Yeah, Ryan, I I tend to think that he will be vaccinated. I I wouldn't be surprised if he came out and said I was just, you know, performing something based on personal choice and I've already been vaccinated because he hasn't actually explicitly come out and said no, I'm not, whereas these other guys have. What are you doing mm-hmm. with Kyrie, who is a first-round guy on a per-game basis? Misses games from injury, but if he misses 43 games because he misses the games at Madison Square Garden as well, plus other injuries on top of that. Yeah, he's not He's not a draftable guy based on that, but where would you be willing to take that risk? Uh, That's a great question, and of course one that any fantasy manager with a second-round pick will have to face. Uh, Because you're right. I mean, we've seen him top 10 value even with other superstars on the court with him. He was ridiculously efficient last year. So the upside is obvious, and the risk just as obvious. I think I'm not super afraid of him going into the season unvaccinated because it's, you know, 41 games that he would miss at home and then potentially complications on the road. There's also, as I'm sure we'll get to, the fact that there would be longer quarantines if you're not vaccinated, the fact that if close contacts have COVID, you might need to be quarantined, things that vaccinated players will not have to face DMP-wise. Uh, So I bumped Kyrie. I mean, I think 60 games played is where I have him projected. And I feel like that's being slightly generous, uh, which to me bumps him 
down far enough on a cumulative basis that I'm only targeting him at maybe the back end of the second round, possibly third round. But I am very hopeful, and I am sure this will be the case, that someone else will take that take the plunge for me. I don't want to see Kyrie Irving on any of my rosters this year, if I can help it. I Look, if he, if he was vaccinated and we said we're getting 70 games out of Kyrie, look, he's an easy early second round guy, maybe late first round guy, but you can't have that confidence. I personally, and you said you, know, you don't want him on your roster. If he's sitting there even in the third round, I probably wouldn't take that risk. At around 50, mm. I would say, all right, because like if he's you know because if there's anyone who's going to be stubborn about this stuff, it's probably going to be Kyrie, and doing yeah. it for a point and like it's not about basketball. And he does all this stuff, you know, he says all these things all the time, right? Eventually, he does, I won't say cave is the right word. But, you know, much like when he was like, I'm not going to go to the bubble, and then you know, and then he was injured anyway, and it didn't didn't matter regardless of all that stuff. Right. But if you miss your second round pick, you're done. If you miss your fifth round pick, you can you can get back from that. Like if you. Take Kyrie at yep. 50, you can get back from that. If you take him at 14, you're done. Like, it's really hard to get back. So, again, like you, someone else is probably going to take him before me. But if he's sitting there at 50, that is sort of when I would take that plunge. Now, for the other guys, like Bradley Beal, Jonathan Isaac, Michael Porter Jr., Trey Burke's not vaccinated, but my guy, you're not going to be on a mm-hmm. roster anyway, so I don't think we need to worry about that. Beal, Porter, and Isaac are the big ones here. How far are you discounting them? Because they don't have the local city mandates where they can't play home games. They are just, as you mentioned, subject to stricter protocols and absences if they do get exposed to COVID or in those health and safety protocols. So how far are you knocking those guys down your draft board? And as my colleague Jared Johnson has pointed out, they could also suffer longer effects if they do get COVID and have that long tail COVID that we've seen some from some other players and obviously in the general public. So you know, multiple different risk factors pile up there. Now, there is the possibility that some of these guys enter the season unvaccinated and then change their minds. Uh, We don't know. So that's another variable, I suppose. But at the moment, when I look at Beal, MPJ and Isaac, I think I'm discounting them something like five games, five to eight, somewhere in that range. That's what I've done. I'm not trying to penalize them unduly. You know what I mean? I don't, I'm not going to knock them down 20 games where MPJ becomes like a fourth, fifth rounder. But at the same time, you have to address the reality that these guys are at increased risk for DMPs. So I think five to eight game discount is, is substantial enough when you look at the cumulative ratings. You know, you drop Beal down six games and he's number 12 in my eight cat rankings, whereas without it, he's number eight. So that's pretty much the the gap that I'm talking about. Yeah, you got the numbers basically exactly what I was going to say. Because I said, you know, before this, I would have said, you know, if you want to take Beal at pick number eight, go ahead. Like, that's mm-hmm. a totally fine pick. But now I would I would be looking at, you know, Embiid, Durant, Tatum, uh, maybe Paul George. You're looking at those guys yep. uh, ahead of him, and that pushes him to that 12, 13 sort of a range. And I think that's probably the right sort of discount. He might go through the season completely unscathed. Plenty of people who were unvaccinated last season were able to play without contracting COVID or being exposed. That that happened a lot. Now Beal already had COVID, of course, and yeah, that doesn't mean that he's not going to get it again or he's not going to get exposed. But he could easily right. go through the season without any problems at all. So I agree with that sort of four to five spot drop and your five to eight game uh, reduction in their value for all of those uh, those players. So we're uh, we're spot on with that one. Let's move to some other injuries. Bunch of guys returning from ACLs this year. Kawhi Leonard, Jamal Murray, Tom Bryant, and Markel Fultz. Let's start with the two best players on that list, Leonard and Murray. That report came out a few days ago, Ryan, saying, oh, people are optimistic that Kawhi is going to come back. My... Um, 
point on this or my opinion on this is pretty well known. I'm just not bothering to draft Kawhi Leonard. If he does come back, maybe best, absolute best case, it's March. And then it's a heavy minutes limit. It's back-to-back restrictions. And if you do draft him, you are going to have to have one of your injured reserve slots taken up for all of that time. And that just has an impact on what you do because other guys are going to get hurt. So I'm just not bothering with quite people. Go, what if you do it in the last pick and then you put him in the injured slot? But the same thing happens is when two guys get hurt, then what do you do? You just drop him anyway. So it's a little bit of a waste to me. I'm not bothering anywhere with Kawhi or Jamal Murray for that matter. Yeah, you said it. I I will just uh, second everything you said because, I mean, keep in mind, this is coming off one source, I believe, from yep. Sports Illustrated, something like that. And Kawhi is notoriously cagey about his return dates. He's notoriously uh, in control. And I think with the Spurs, we saw that rift develop because their training staff was saying one thing. Hey, you can play. You know, you're at a point in your rehab where you can get out there. Kawhi didn't think he was ready. I think he played and got hurt again, and that was the end of it, you know. So they are going to treat him with kid gloves. It's whatever he and his team thinks is best. That's what's going to happen. You said it. When he comes back, absolutely, limit. you know, minute limits in place, rest in back-to-backs, busy stretches of schedule, all those things. And that's going to be right at the time of fantasy playoffs when you're going to be getting those DMPs. And again, why tie up an IR spot? Even if you have two, you're probably going to need to use those. Now you're losing that replacement value. So there's a whole trickle effect. And for all the reasons you stated and probably more I haven't thought of, I will not go near Kawhi or Jamal Murray, who's basically in the same boat. Uh, You know, maybe a little bit more optimistic about him in terms of his mentality when he comes back, willingness to play, busy stretches, et cetera. But still, without a a timetable to return, it's a no-go. These guys, Kawhi tore his ACL in June. Like I know it's only a partial ACL tear, but if you look at past partial ACL tear recoveries, um, non-surgical, they can be back three to four months, but he had surgery. So it's still a graft on that ACL, and maybe it's a nine-month, eight-month. Like Spencer didn't when he had a partial ACL, ACL tear. We can't say they're necessarily mm. the same. He may have been ready for the NBA Finals. So after doing it in December, he may have been ready in July. So that's you know, seven to eight months, maybe. And now, even now, he still hasn't. Right. He's not fully cleared. He expects to be, but he's not fully ready to go. Um, and then Murray did his in April. You know, that's a twelve-month return. Is April? That's the end of the season. There's not worth it. Thomas Bryant injured in January. Same with Markel Fultz at the beginning of January. Are you, are you uh, worrying about drafting those guys in a in a standard format? I, I don't think I am. Um, <clears throat> again, you're missing two two to three months plus the return when they come back. Plus, there's other players in their position already there. Precisely. The, the, the last point you made, I think, is the clincher for me. The fact that the Wizards have Montrez Harrell and Daniel Gafford, who they're going to start. I mean, you're, you know, there's too much competition. Markel Fultz, obviously, he's going to come back and Suggs is there and you've got Cole Anthony. So too much competition, too much reason for them to rest even, you know, or be limited, I should say, when they are healthy. And the only positive reports that we've had about Thomas Bryant and his timetable and stuff have come from his agent. So even though there's been a steady drumbeat of positive news, it is exclusively from his his agent. So and, and these uh, guys, needless to say, not putting stock in that. These guys aren't good enough where they come back and go, everyone get out of the way because Tom Bryant's here. Everyone sit back. Exactly. Thomas Bryant's doing yep. this or even Markel Fultz. I know he's a number one pick, but it's not like, man, our franchise has saved Markel Fultz's back. Like they'll ease him back in and see where it goes. And maybe by March, he's putting up good numbers. But yeah, that's yeah. five months after the beginning of the season. Now, if you are looking to start a fantasy basketball league, 
You get a bunch of friends who aren't necessarily into fantasy basketball. Sleeper is a new fantasy basketball app that helps bring people together to play fantasy basketball. It is a points format with their exclusive game pick format, much much similar to fantasy football, where you only have to pick one game per week for those players. So get your friends, get your workmates, get your schoolmates involved in fantasy basketball and use sleeper their app is very easy to use very slick interface the draft room's awesome they've got dynasty formats keeper formats third round reversals an option there which i wish all sites would introduce but sleeper if you're looking to start a league with people and bring them into fantasy basketball that is the place for you to go this may also sound familiar to you. You've got one device where you watch your live sports. You've got another where you watch your favorite shows. You've got your highlights on your phone, and then you borrow your mate's login to watch something else. There's just so much clutter. There's so much confusion. I want to tell you about a simple way to get all that entertainment you love without the hassle and a great way to finally get your TV together. It's called Direct TV Stream, and it brings your live TV and on-demand favorites together like never before so that you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and shows all in one place. That means no more juggling remotes and no need to buy another device ever again. The best part, there's no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required and content varies by package. Let's go on to the next injury package here, Ryan. And we're going to talk other knee injuries. DeAndre Hunter, who had, what, two or three knee injuries last season and now we're sort of, you know, maybe he's going to be ready to go for preseason. He was amazing before the knee injury last season, and he was brutally shit out after the knee injury last season. I don't know which one's real. I don't know how much it was the knee injury making him not be able to shoot. I don't know how much the first 20 games were a fluke and hot streak scenario, but he's going really late in drafts, and he's one of my you know, really interesting late-round players. How worried are you about the fact that he injured that knee three times last season, and is it deterring you from drafting him? Uh, I'm pretty worried, sure. I mean there's not much history to go on for him. So all, all you can say is, yeah, he was hurt a lot last year. And as you said, came back, tried to play through it. Couldn't had surgery, came back, still hurt. Um, 62 games is where I have him projected. Uh, again, I feel like that's the highest I could comfortably put him. Maybe I'm being pessimistic and people disagree, but at 62 games, I see him as like right around a hundred basically. So if, if he's there at 115, I'm probably going to take him. He seems like a popular player, but also the Hawks are very crowded. That wing position, there's just a lot of competition for playing time. So unless something happens to change that, a trade or an injury clears some time, even Hunter at full strength, I don't expect to see that top 50 guy that we saw for the first month or two of, the, of last season. Uh, so yeah, pretty pretty concerned there. I'd be very surprised if he could do what he did at the beginning of last season. And you're right. We had this worry last season for the Hawks. Man, there's just so many players. Like, how are they all going to yeah. fit in? And then they all just started getting injured. But, you know, Bogdanovich and Reddish and Herder and Hunter and Collins and Gallinari and all these guys, and DeLon Wright and Lou Williams and all these guys, they're, they're fighting for minutes. So um, mm-hmm. unless Hunter can reclaim that magic, there's no you know 34-minute, 25-usage role for him. It'd be pretty unlikely. And then James Wiseman, of course, we had that meniscus tear. He's scheduled to begin jumping, I think, two days before the season starts. So he's going to miss the beginning of the year. He's not going to have the starting spot. He'll have to work his way back into that if he even gets it because we all know how much better the Warriors were without him last season. I'm assuming you're not worrying about drafting Wiseman. No, simply because, as you said, I mean, no fantasy upside was you know, evident last season. Uh, Steve Kerr has been very cautious in his speech about him he says hey listen everyone wants to see james wiseman thriving 
But if he's ready to contribute this year, then great. He'll be out there getting minutes. If he's not, we're going to be patient with him. I mean, the Warriors are looking to reclaim championship form, and they're not going to sacrifice that at the cost of Wiseman. I think if you look last season, I believe Wiseman in the starting five had the worst plus minus or net rating rather of uh, any unit that the Warriors put out there when they sub him for Kevon Looney. It was the best net rating. So it, it was, I, they're not going to put him out there at the cost of wins, put it that way. Yeah. Look, he, those numbers tell the story that watching the games would tell you as well. Like it's all the same. Like he just had no idea where he was on offense on defense and Looney just made things right. work better. And as soon as that happened, the Warriors went on that charge. Steph went bananas and they you know, worked themselves into that play in mix. Unfortunately, weren't able to get through. Let's talk about some other injuries. Now, bunch of guys with torn shoulder labrums, Pascal Siakam, Kobe White and Anyeka Okongwu. Okongwu's not back till January. White's going to miss the first uh, month of the season and then be pushed into a bench role. But I guess the interesting one is Siakam. I'm seeing him drop in drafts a lot, Ryan. I, I think that there is a per-game chance for him to be a top 30 player, 35 player this year. But I, I got him at 91 in the draft the other day. He's going regularly in the 60s or 70s. He's probably going to miss a month. I think that mm-hmm. you know, we know that we got burnt so many times by Jaron Jackson last season about oh, he's going to miss a month and he's going to, then he's going to be back. And then, of course, he never came back until the last 10 games of the season. I'm not as worried. I'm not Actually, I'm not worried about that with Siakam at all. It's upper body versus lower body. So there's no issue in terms of you know um, not being able to work out and get his conditioning back or anything along those lines. I think I can take that first month hit of having no Siakam. And you know, if I get him in the 70s, I think it's a pretty pretty good deal. And he's available there in a lot of spots. I I usually have a rule. I'm not drafting anyone entering the season injured, but I think with the discount you're getting with Siakam, I'll, I'll, uh, I think I'll take that risk. I like that. If he's falling to 70, which I should check his ADP, but you're right. I think he's sliding considerably and even lower uh, the more recent drafts that I've done because he hasn't been cleared for contact. And you know, a lot of people have that rule. Why would I target someone who's injured to begin the, the season he's adp uh, Ryan, so it, just to let you know it's 68 on yahoo and he's ranked 75th over there so that's pretty much identical to where i have him per game and eight cat i've got him at 38 yes yeah, cumulative however i have him at 67 so that's spot on so if, you know if he's there at 70 yeah that's a reasonable bet i'll take a guy with top 40 upside and one thing i wanted to throw out there is a player like siakam and you could maybe extend this to the the Kawhi and uh, Jamal Murray group is that if you're in a roto league and you have an 82 game limit, that changes the math because now you could get some replacement value. And if those guys are on their bench, they're not necessarily hurting you because you're at least getting something for those games played. Uh, So a a little bit higher on injured players in roto, typically if they have game played limits for each position. So what you're doing, Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. What you're doing there, if you're, you know, if you are in that roto league, so it means basically you're getting 60 games of Siakam and then 22 games of the guy you pick in round 11, really like that's if everyone's healthy, your 11, 12, 13th round players don't play in a roto league most of the time, but you're getting your 20 games of that. So you're not even, it's not even a waiver wire guy that you're replacing him with necessarily. You're replacing him with one of your bench players, your 11th or 12th round player, which might be a DeAndre Hunter, someone we've already mentioned, someone who's sliding. And if he recaptures that form, then you've got a little bit of value there. I really like Siakam in that area. And you talk about, you know, total value and Siakam's going to be 68th or 70th, but if once he's rolling, like if he's back November, December, and then you're yeah. pushing into head-to-head playoffs and he's giving you top 30 numbers, top 40 numbers, well, then you've got you've just stolen 20, 30 spots of value. If you've, if you've treaded water for that first month or so, it is 
it is a risk to to weigh up, but I, I think that with that one again, because it's a shoulder rather than a knee, which yep. is probably less likely to be a recurring or ongoing problem. I'm I'm happy to do that with Siakam. Um, let's look at some foot injuries. This is not ideal for a number of these, especially let's start with Mitchell Robinson and TJ Warren because we just assumed, well, a few weeks ago, Ryan, mm-hmm. that they're ready to go. Right, here we go. They did, broke their foot, TJ, in what after five games at the start of January. Mitch at the start of March. Well, they're, they're going to be ready to go. But that's not the case. Let's start with Mitchell Robinson, who it doesn't look like is going to be ready for preseason. Um, to me, with that uncertainty, with Nerland's Noel there, I, I'll take Mitch, but it wouldn't be inside the top 100. I'm with you, simply because he was disappointing last year. He's got, as you said, a lower body injury. I'm glad that you've pointed out that distinction. That's huge. Uh, the one positive really that we heard over the off season was that he'd been hitting the weight room and put on pounds of muscle, which probably not ideal for a guy who, who, you know, has a lower body injury and so forth. Maybe it'll help. Anyway, we could go down that, but injury wise, I don't think that benefits him. Um, so yeah, I'm not eager to get it, especially since Noel is there. We heard that the Knicks are going to be conservative with Mitch Robinson and he's not going to be a high usage guy. So exactly. if he's not getting the blocks, he's really probably not going to hit that ADP anyway. Uh, one thing I'll say about so Mitch... So yeah, there's a bunch of reasons I'm skeptical. One thing I'll say about Mitch, though, is last season where he plays 28 minutes a night, the block rate, it went through the floor. Like, it just disappeared because he was staying mm. out of foul trouble and playing more minutes. But there is an argument to be made, Ryan, that if he does come back and they ease him in and play him 20 minutes, he might actually block the same amount of shots in 20 minutes versus in 28 minutes. Because he was under two a game last year, where in previous years he'd played 21 minutes and he'd be like 2.1 or whatever it was. So he could actually provide you the same value playing seven fewer minutes per game. That's still going to be outside that top 100 zone. But t- And TJ Warren. I am not drafting TJ Warren at all. This guy is a notoriously slow healer. That is nothing personal against him. He can't control that sort of stuff. But this is a, a consistent theme with him. He's broken his foot. It's still not ready to go. He's reevaluated in, I think the announcement was three weeks, about half a week ago. So maybe two and a half weeks, he's going to be reevaluated. I am not, I'm just not taking that risk with him at all for a guy that, you know, it's almost, it's been, what, 10 months it's going to be since he had that foot fracture. It's still not ready to go. He's had plenty of foot and uh, leg problems in his past. Yeah. I'm just not, I'm just not doing it. There's no way. Yeah, again, feel bad for him. You know, he had a great campaign, but can't stay healthy. Even prior to the report that he was healing slower than expected and needed to be reevaluated, I was already off him simply for the reason that he's never played more than 67 games in seven NBA seasons. He can't stay healthy. And as you said, it's nothing personal. It's just the way it goes for him and the way his body reacts to injuries, whatever it might be. Uh, he seems to be prone to those sympathetic injuries where one injury causes overcompensation and then he gets hurt somewhere else. Uh, just a guy that uh, I'm kind of off, especially because his fantasy game is pretty narrow. He's, you know, he had a great year, but I don't love his role. Now you got a new coach coming in there. You don't quite know how that's going to affect him. You have plenty of offensive weapons around him. So really no upside for me. Rudy Gay is going to miss the start of the season. That doesn't mean a huge amount, except for those of you in deeper leagues. It means Eric, Eric Pascal probably moves into that role. But Zion Williamson, uh, just you know, just casually sliding the news in that he has a foot fracture. Uh, they claim he'll be ready to start the season. But yeah, I was pretty big on Zion jumping up this season and yeah, playing more of a point forward role, getting those assist numbers up. He's already dominant in points and field goal percentage, but get, adding a few extra categories. But now, given that he's a big man and he's a, and he's a and he's a big man as well, and with a foot mm-hmm. fracture. Um, it's knocking him down a little bit for me. How far 
how far are you discounting Zion now when drafting? Um, or are you just saying, well, he's going to be ready to go for the start of the season, so I don't care? No, I don't think you can. I mean, you can take that mentality, but that that's not how I would approach it for a guy who's already had two major injuries in his very brief NBA career, is a huge human being and whose explosive leaping ability is one of the bedrocks of his athletic appeal, fantasy appeal, all these things. So re- cause for concern. No, you know, no need to freak out. But I was already lower than most of my uh, NBC Sports Edge colleagues on him. And I think if you bump him down to, let's say, 60 games played, he's kind of like a like a 40-50 guy for me. Yeah. So given the flaws in his fantasy game, the free throw shooting, and then a question for me and for you is, do you think he can improve his defensive stats? Have you seen evidence that he can be a steals and blocks guy because that is a big hole in his fantasy resume and if he can fix that he'll be a, a freak <laughs> i mean he would be fantastic uh but do you do you see that in his future the only evidence you have is the fact that he put up absolutely dominating defensive stats in college like he what did he average mm. like two blocks and 2.5 steals probably not those numbers but you know what it wouldn't be far off he was unbelievable in putting up those stats in college and they've just been non-existent in the NBA so in general like steal rate especially from college translates pretty well it just hasn't for him so I've got some level of hope like it's not like the level of hope where I go um yeah Keldon Johnson got no steals in college and no steals in the NBA I don't think all all of a sudden he's going to turn that around I've got literally no evidence to show me that Zion I go what did happen and that has been a trend where steals guys in college do bring that to the NBA. It just hasn't for him mm. for some reason. So I've got a, a glimmer of hope, but to me, if it happens, it's a bonus and not an expectation. I'll take a glimmer. I tend to be <laughs> pessimistic on that, so that's good to hear. I wasn't that I hadn't factored in the fact that he has that proven defensive upside from college. So I'll I'll file that away. That's and they good to know. they weren't even. It wasn't even like he was good in college at those numbers. I'm just going to bring them up because they were actually insane yeah. numbers. Um, let's have a look what he averaged. 2.1 steals. Oh, sorry. quickly. The 2.1 steals and 1.8 blocks. Like that's what he averaged nice. in 30 minutes. Like they are insane numbers. And yeah. you would hope that some of that could translate. Unfortunately, absolutely nothing has. So let's go to the last couple of injury groups here. Ankle injuries. Dante DiVincenzo tore his ankle ligaments in the playoffs. He's not ready to go. I heard Bucks, some Bucks people, I think it was Frank Madden who said this from Locked on Bucks, um, maybe January. He, he would expect him closer to the All-Star break than the start of the season. So that's that December, January mm. period. Um, DiVincenzo only played like 27, 28 minutes a game last year. He's going to struggle to do that this year, especially with Grayson Allen there now. I guess this takes DiVincenzo off the board. We can we can assume that. But does it put Grayson Allen in onto your radar? Uh, not particularly. I mean, we saw Grayson have a pretty nice year last year uh built up his value he's basically going to fill that divincenzo role until dante's back and then they'll figure it out probably a position battle brewing there uh, but you know other than three pointers what is he really going to give you especially yeah. on a team like the bucks where he is filling a role make no mistake you know he's not going to be out there as an offensive creator so I just don't see it. He's a guy who I, you know, it was suspended disbelief last year, even when he was providing uh-huh. fantasy value. I wasn't fully buying it. And I do not see him replicating that in Milwaukee. Absolutely. Um, and then Isaiah Stewart, who working out for Team USA Select, yes. suffered a severe ankle injury. It went under the radar a bit. I, I actually forgot about this. I was like, oh, why didn't he play in summer league? And someone said, oh, he got injured. Well, like, shit, yeah, he did. He got injured in that yeah. uh, Team USA practice. And they said it was pretty severe. We're assuming that he's ready to go opening night. That is the word from the Pistons. But it's a little bit worrisome that 
we're still not getting 100% confirmation on that. I really like Isaiah Stewart this year. Some people think that Dwayne Casey is going to bury him and play him 20 minutes and just play all the minutes to Kelly Olynyk. And someone even told me they're going to start Luca Garza over him, which almost fell over oh. when, when someone <laughs> someone uh, oh. it, it wasn't a Pistons person who said that. It was just a, a random person who right. was a uh, an Iowa fan, I'm guessing. But how how worried are you about Stewart? It hasn't made me drop him a little bit in terms of where I'm drafting him, um, just because we're not getting that clarity on it. Oh, I've been very high. I mean, you're right. There's not a lot of clarity on his foot for sure, but he did say in mid-August that he was feeling better and ahead of schedule. So presumably he's he'll be ready to go for opening night. In terms of his role, I'm not really too worried at all. I think... Olinick fits better in my mind as a the first big off the bench. He can play either four or five. Stewart, I think, showed everything last year. You know, I think they moved Plumley partly to, because they wanted a true center. It's Isaiah Stewart. He's shown that he can hit some threes. That's an intriguing element of his game. Obviously, in today's NBA, that's going to be important. But I think if his minutes get up to 26, 28 per game, somewhere in that range, he has a really good chance to be a top 60 guy. I like his floor. I'm intrigued by what his ceiling might be. Uh, you know, I don't want to go too crazy on that, but I'm like, if, if I could get him at 60, I'm taking that every time. Yeah, look, especially in a two two center league. Well, that that's if you're in a two center league, which I despise those leagues, which everyone is well aware <laughs> of. Um, yeah, look, the after after him, you got Jakob Pertl and Mason Plumley. Like they're your two other center options left after right. that, or you're reaching for Lamar- Lamarcus Aldridge. Like it's really rough after that. To me, in that 60 zone is fine. I I actually think that he's got. I don't, know, I don't think he's ever going to be, especially not this season, ever going to be like a top 20 player, but can have multiple mm-hmm. top 40, top 50 type seasons, just really bang in that area. He's never going to be an elite all-star sort of guy, but can be solid enough in that area. So I'm pretty excited to see what he can do. And I'm with you. I think he pushes high 20s in minutes and a Linux will come off that bench behind him and play probably high 20s as well, backing up the four and backing up the five. We've got one section to go. Before we do that, I, I wish I had a built bar here with me because they are the best tasting protein bars ever. I need to re-energize myself for this last segment, whatever your favorite flavor is, cookies and cream, raspberry, orange, strawberries, mint, brownie, whatever your favorite flavor is, uh, built bar is going to have that covered, but they're not just delicious. They are also good for you. 17 to 18 grams of protein, 4 to 5 grams of sugar, 130 to 180 calories per bar, and 4 to 5 grams of net carbs. It's a fantastic nutritional profile for a bar that tastes just like a candy bar. And you can get these at 15% off now. So if you head to built.com and use our promo code LOCKED15, you can get 15% off all the built bars your body desires. So head across to built.com, load up your cart, use the promo code LOCKED15 and get yourself some built bars. Built bars are the best tasting protein bar ever. Last section, Ryan, of course, I've got a couple of big names that we have been waiting to the end here. And let's start with Clay Thompson, who has not played in forever. Two years since he's played after a torn ACL, then a torn Achilles. And people, some people forget that I I think when we're looking at Clay, they go, well, you know, he he didn't play last season, therefore he's ready to go. He tore it in November. So we haven't even, we're not even 12 months since he tore his Achilles Mm. on the back of tearing that ACL because of the late start to last season. Warriors people are assuming that he is back in January. Because Christmas Day, they think that's highly optimistic. So maybe January, I would say that at best he is at full, full tilt, post all-star break and even then that might be a little bit optimistic i would be absolutely stunned if he played in any back-to-backs this season maybe he Mm. gets 35 games i am not drafting clay thompson are you 
That's really funny. As you were reciting that litany of problems and roadblocks and timelines, I dropped him down from a projected 40 games to 35. <laughs> so I, I think that's exactly you know what we should be considering. Now, there's that factor, as you said, where you know if you manage to stash him away for two thirds of the season maybe you catch lightning in a bottle and he's fantastic and wins you multiple categories over the final months when it matters the most i i don't see it i think his minutes are going to be limited right the dmps are going to be killing the you know rust might be a factor obviously after having not played for two years there's just too many red flags here so unfortunately i i'm excited personally as a fan oh, yeah. of the game i want to see him come back you know all those good things but uh, you know as you can probably glean from this conversation i'm very hesitant when it comes to taking bets on guys like this there's no way that, I, that i'm drafting because again if he say he comes back in january ryan like that's fine and then yep. you have to take him out of your ir spot because you know he won't have that right. designation or you can keep him there and not make any other move at all, which of course just torpedoes your team. So you have to activate him off IR and then he plays two games a week, three games a week at 20 minutes mm-hmm. a night for a month and then still doesn't play back to back and you get nothing out of it. It's just, and this is a guy that all that fantasy value was concentrated in having really high threes, scoring 20 yep. points per game and doing it with a high field goal percentage because he doesn't get to the line ever. He gets no steals or blocks, no assists or rebounds. So you're relying upon him coming back, playing big minutes, having the same efficiency, scoring a ton. And while he's been out, everyone else is hitting threes at a higher rate. So the actual relative value exactly. of that category probably drops a little bit for him. So there's just no way that I, that I want him. Now, I just realized I forgot to put someone on this list. And that's Karis LeVert with his stress fracture mm. in the back. Um, I know your colleague, uh, Dr. A, was massively high on him on my podcast earlier in the week or last week. He's like, I'm taking him in the top 50. And the next day, I was like, nah, he's broken his back. What what are you doing with Levert, who's had foot injuries, knee injuries, uh, obviously the carcinoma, and now a stress fracture? Is that an avoid? They think he'll be back for opening night, but I don't feel great about drafting him at this point. So they say back for opening night. I... I find it hard to believe. I mean, a stress fracture in your back and you're going to be playing in a matter of weeks. Maybe. (laughs) I'm not a doctor, but it doesn't sound good. I I certainly had to drop him down considerably in the ranks and, uh, you know, tweaking his games played did just that. I think he, I I was all for, I think, around 50 previously. I thought he showed enough last season that the Karis Levert we expected is is here, you know, the the skills, the uh, multi-cat tools all on display. However, again, now you're facing increased competition, a new coach and a fractured back. So how do you possibly put that in the top 50? I can't, I'm more around 100 at this point oh so you're, you're even lower i'd probably look maybe i'd in, in, i mean i had to yeah i think maybe in the 80s is where i'd look at him he'll probably end up going higher than that um but it's not like the siakam shoulder problem to me where i think he can come back and be fine like he might play opening night but it's it's a fractured back like that's going to have some sort of compensatory impacts i would imagine and for a guy with historical knee and foot injuries I'm a little worried about what that might mean for him and for this upcoming season Serge Ibaka doesn't like he's not going to be an impact guy but maybe that boosts if it's a Zubats' numbers but I don't want to talk about him too much but the other one is Victor Oladipo who of course was pretty poor in terms of efficiency last season had the knee injury which then turned into another quad surgery it hasn't been the same for two plus years he's going to miss 
I don't know, two months, six months. I've got no idea when he's coming back. They're being very vague about him returning. But Ryan, I'll ask you this about Oladipo. When he comes back, mm-hmm. is he is he the fourth best guard on this Heat team? People are drafting him. And go, oh, I'll just stash him. But when he comes back, he's probably going to be the fourth guard behind Hero, Lowry, and Robinson, surely. Agreed, yes. And this is... Uh, this is a case of someone's name just has so much more yeah. cachet than what they're actually going to bring to the table. Because if you've had him in the past and he was a top 30 player, that it's hard to scrub that memory from, from your brain. But that's not the player that we have. It's not going to be Oladipo the rest of his career, frankly, because it's you know very unfortunate. But he's had all these injuries pile up. And you see it in the fact that no team wanted him. Even this summer, he had to sign a one-year minimum contract because that's where he's at in his career this is just a sort of make good anything he can do on the court is a bonus for the heat situation so no i think they're going to treat him very carefully when he's back as you said he might be the fourth guard in the rotation so playing time is not even a given when he will return is still unclear i believe that the most optimistic thing we heard was again from his agent uh very helpfully so yeah, I have nothing nothing optimistic to add, unfortunately, in the Oladipo arena. Yep, absolutely no interest in drafting him this season. Ryan, that'll do it for us covering injuries and what we're doing with these guys heading into drafts. So thank you for coming on. And tell people, A, where they can find you over on Twitter, and B, what stuff you've got coming out they might be interested in. Great. Uh, yeah, you could find me on Twitter at Ryan Knaus, K-N-A-U-S. And just working on the NBC Sports Edge draft guide. As I, I cited my projections multiple times, I have top 250 rankings for every possible fantasy uh, league setting based on projections. You can actually download a spreadsheet and alter anything you want, and it'll automatically update all the rankings. So pretty powerful tool that you can get at NBC Sports Edge. Go and follow Ryan if you're not already. Ryan, thanks for coming on with me. Thanks a lot, Josh. And that'll do it for today's show. Don't forget to follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. We'll have another show coming today, a 20-team, nine-category snake mock draft. That is coming later today, so don't miss out. And if you're on YouTube, thumb me up, ring the notification bell, leave a comment down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.